Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So the topic for today is very simple. It's a very simple topic and not so easy to do. And uh, the title of the talk is, Are You Here? You might have guessed. (laughs) Are you here? Are you in this room? And if you are, how do you know you're in the room? Your body's in the room. That we know. I can see your body. How's your mind? Is your mind in the room? So I'll just ask, let's open it up. Is um, anybody here in the room? <laughs> okay. And, and if you are here, how do you know you're here? What's happening so that you feel you're here in the present moment, landed? What's that quality? I'm present. How do you know you're present? I'm focused. I'm not, my mind's not running. My mind is still. My heart is still. Beautiful. We don't have to ask too much, right? Mm-hmm. To get that essence. Thank you. That's good. So, this is a quality of being. As you so eloquently said, my mind is still, my heart is still, I'm here. But something in our society and culture that we don't often give ourselves that moment. We give ourselves and we place value on doing what we do, what we accomplish, the next thing that we have to do, getting something, seeking something, getting more pleasure, Right, getting a new experience. And in our culture, there isn't a lot of value placed on just being, experiencing, being here. Can you relate to that? I think, yeah. We don't place a value on that. And very often, who we are as beings, and I love what you said, you said heart and mind. I would include body. Body, heart, mind. We're kind of like that cloudy sky. There's that beautiful, clear, blue sky. There's clarity. We're present. We're in this moment. We're anchored. It's a felt sense, and you know it when you're there, and you've all been there, all of you. But then there's that partial cloudy sky, and what's the clouds? What do we say the clouds are, typically, when we talk about mindfulness? Thoughts, Thoughts, fantasies, (laughs) planning. Who are the good planners in the room? (laughs) Right. Emotional reaction, an opinion, right? An opinion. I like this, I don't like it, it shouldn't be here. I know more. I don't know enough, right? A self-evaluation, 
uh, memory of the past. These are all like the cloudy sky, yeah? There's another cloudy sky moment that we get caught in, which is the image of myself, who I think I should, who I take myself to be in this moment, or the self, or how do I look to them? Do I look okay? Did I sound okay? Did I say that okay? Is my shirt okay? Right. So those are the things that get in the way of arriving and being here. They rob us. They're like robber barons. And we let them take over so easily, so easily, so quickly. And so easily we're lost in that whirlwind of the thinking, imagining, the planning, and the liking and the disliking. It's like a cyclone or something. It just comes in, it's like this, and we're gone. So we've lost that value of landing here in this moment. We forget its value. And I think this is why mindfulness is now so popular, because there's a wise part of us that knows that we've forgotten something so valuable and intrinsic to our being. So now there's mindfulness everywhere, and you can get so busy being mindful, you lose the value of mindful. So we come together here to really collectively land in this very difficult but simple truth that we all know, that at each moment, only the moment exists. What's the truth? What's the reality? Only this one. This is as true as true is. We don't really know if there'll be another one. We hope so, but we don't know. And the truth is we, none of us know, right? So we need to ask ourselves, why do we put ourselves on hold from the truth of this moment, from this here, here, so quickly, so quickly? What are we waiting for to be here? So we could just take a moment and just check in. And a good way to know if you're here is to feel and sense your body. This is what the Buddha taught. The body is kind of an anchor for that. And also to use the senses, seeing, hearing, and to name what's going on, thinking, thought. And we also have added, and so has the Buddha, compassion and loving kindness, and not a judgment when we are not able to do it. Right? We don't want that judgment to get in there, clouding it up. So even in this talk, feeling your feet, feeling your body, sensing. So the question is, what are we waiting for? Is there a right circumstance to be here? Or are we waiting for a better future? I told the story a couple of weeks ago, uh, and some of you have heard it, but I love the story because it, it really rings a bell for me. It's like this, hello, you know, moment. 
of uh, going down to the Ramana Krishna Center um, in South Orange County. It's this beautiful monastery where um, there are these gorgeous old buildings. Aldous Huxley wrote there. There's history. The grounds are beautiful. You feel like you're far away from LA and there are hiking trails. There's this gorgeous meditation room that you can sit in. Um, it's open to the public and it feels like you're so far away and it's so empty and, and whenever I go, I, I want to say vast was the word, you know, just a vast experience. Whenever I go, I'm so, my heart is just so open. I'm so thrilled and happy and every footstep there, I just cherish, cherish that time. It's a great refuge and a beautiful place just to feel and be. And um, we used to uh, organize outings there, but the difficulty was sometimes we'd put it on social media and people would just flood the place mm -hmm. and we'd kind of get in trouble with the, the monks who, who uh, run it because they're monks who live there and are committed to this daily practice. So I was talking to the head monk, and I was just uh, walking with him, and I was saying to him, "Ah, oh, this place is so beautiful. It's so still and peaceful. I've so much. There's so much joy whenever I'm here. The trees, the meditation hall." And he looked at me, and he said oh my God, I forgot that this place was beautiful. I have so many things to do to keep it going that I forgot to appreciate it. And he said, you know, there's just a list of building maintenance, of, of the garden, of the kitchen, of everything that has to get done, all the repairs and all the things that we do. I forget to be here appreciating this beauty. And that, that was such a lesson to me, such a metaphor for I forget to be here appreciating this beauty that's here. Even in a busy life with lots of things to do, I forget to be here appreciating this beauty. And just like the monk, I'm sure he thinks when I get everything done on my to-do list to maintain this place, you know, um, and my heart goes out to him because they're always needing a lot of help. Um, but just like them, just like this monk, so me, I think my future will be better. When I get it all done, then I can appreciate and drop in and be here. When it's all done, when the job is done. And it could be any job. It could be the job of self-improvement. When I'm improved, then I'll drop in and be here. When I'm better, right? Or when my relationship is better, then I'll drop in and be here. Or when I have a new relationship and I'm not alone so much, then I'll drop in and be here. When I move and, and the move is better, for me, it's when I'm retired. My new one is when I'm retired, then <laughs> I could drop in and be here. You see, we're always projecting a better future to be here. Maybe if I move to Spain and I live on the coast, then I can drop in and be here, right? Or if I'm closer to the ocean, I will definitely drop in and be here and be present because the ocean, right? 
It's always something. When I clean that house and it's really clean, then I will drop in and be here. Okay? So we have to remember that whatever is happening in this moment, that's your life to be here for. That's your life to be here. Any moment is a drop-in moment to be here. The future is not your life because it doesn't arrive. And yet we're so conditioned in our um, minds to live in the future when it's better. I caught myself walking around my living room yesterday or the day before, and I was, um, in my mind, my living room would be better for meditation and walking meditation if I had a new paint color and better furniture. <laughs> and I clean the clutter, you know, a little clutter, like the piles of books here and there. Then it will be better. It will be a better sanctuary for me. Right. So the better sanctuary is the one I create in this moment. If we could take out the better and the condition, we could discover for ourselves this richness that's here in being, in direct being. And, and it's like we, what's the word we shorten our, we thrift, what's the word we, we dismiss our capacity to be here fully. We dismiss it. We minimize it. We act as if we don't have it, and yet you have it. You've had it so many times. So from my, one of my teachers, he asks, when are you going to let yourself descend from your lofty preoccupations and simply land where you are? Is that a good question? All right, I'll read it again. When are you going to let yourself descend from your lofty preoccupations and simply land where you are? Does anybody have a lofty preoccupation? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing what our lofty, right? Um, can we stop striving after all kinds of things? Do you ever get that? Feeling like you're a little empty, a little blah, and you think, do you have that thought? Maybe I should go shopping. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should go shopping. Okay. Dreaming, planning, achieving, attempting, manipulating, trying to be something, trying to get somewhere. None of this is wrong, but to the point where it blocks here, now, present moment, being, room for being, just being, just being here. I have this memory that haunts me a little bit. I was on vacation, and uh, Joel and I, we were hiking on the coast. We were in a beautiful place, so I admit that helped. <laughs> and we were hiking this rugged coastline, so there's a lot of climbing, so you really had to pay attention because you're climbing up, you're climbing down. Um, it's just a dirt paveway, a lot of this up and down climbing. Very, very beautiful. And at a certain point, 
of this hike. It was like that walking meditation. You know, that moment where I remember just feeling so there, there, with the environment, with the body, with the air, with my limbs, you know, with seeing and hearing. It was just a full sensory arrival, just this beautiful moment, appreciating. My heart was like, oh. it was just a beautiful moment and easy to do in a beautiful place. And um, these uh, three or four British guys were walking in the other direction on the path and uh, we said hello. It was nice to meet them, nice to meet new people. And they said to me, um, well, wouldn't you rather be on that yacht over there in the ocean? And there was this big, big mega yacht over there in the ocean. And I looked at them and I went, no. <laughs> right? Because there's nothing like that feeling of arriving in your body in the moment. In the, you know, that fullness, that richness, that isness, as we say um, in the Vedanta tradition, the suchness the suchness of it, desire ends, right? Desire ends. There isn't a desire or a craving for another moment. It just ceases, right? So for all of us in this life that can be so frenetic and filled with much to do, we forget the simplest and most obvious thing which is to be here. And one of my teachers asked this question, a beautiful question, another good question for inquiry that we can bring with us is how can we feel the satisfaction of being here if we're not here? I'll read it again. It's a very simple talk. There's really nothing new, right? There's no big philosophical point. How can you feel the satisfaction of being here if you are not here. And he really makes this point. If we're not here, we're also on the fringe of reality. We're not here. We're not knowing. So, um, he says, our habits and conditioning lead us to forget the greatest treasure we have as our birthright, the pleasure and lightness of existence. And this is why it's so much fun to be around little children, right? I was with my grandnephew in San Francisco last week as three. And the joy of being with a three-year-old, how old is yours? Three. Three Okay, three. The joy of being with a three-year-old is they see something and they're so with it in the experience. They're immersed in it and they're so amazed by it. It's like, you know, and there's this joy and they just want to explore it. And everything has value, right? Everything has value in that moment. They're fully there. And they're alive. They're with it. And we have that capacity too. That's our birthright. They're showing us our birthright to be with the moment, just like that, this precious moment, like, <gasps> But the culture, uh, our conditioning, has really clouded that up. 
And he says, this attitude of putting value outside of ourselves in this moment and our birthright, this beingness, this beautiful, shimmering kind of beingness, um, is an insult to who we are. It's an insult. And that we're conditioned to think that happiness, value, pleasure are not the result of anything that we're doing or getting, but fundamental to our nature of who we are. It's in there already. We just have to stop the whirlwind, this whirlwind of conditioning and allow ourselves to relax and be wherever we are. And to notice when we're abandoning ourselves in this way, looking for satisfaction out there. He calls it the natural endowment of being. The only thing we need to do is to let ourselves be. And when we're thinking of what's going to make me happy next, we could look instead of what is the block? What's blocking me from being here now? What's in the way? And, and what's in the way is a lot of habit. And so let's talk about a little bit of what gets in the way and how we can work with it. Okay? Because you're all thinking, well, you know, when I'm online at the motor vehicle department, how do I feel, right, being here now? Or I'm sitting in my office with 40 emails and many tasks and an annoying somebody. How do I be here now? Or whatever it is that's difficult. So I want to talk about that, and then we'll move along. Um, So, um, one of the traps is that we talked about already is the when and then thinking. When it's better, then I will be. So we already talked about that. When it's better, then I will be. And that, it, just knowing that, as opposed to just being with what is. The second thing we do is we do a lot of rejecting. We reject what's here. I don't like it. I don't want it. It's not good enough. It's not fitting me. I don't relate to it. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't like the way they look, you know, right? I don't like the chair I'm sitting on. <laughs> right. And notice how often you're rejecting your moment and the consequence that that gives you. Um, and I've shared my big one here before, which is really, you know, of uh, being at work when you have too many notes to write, too much paperwork. The social workers are all nodding in the room. All the healthcare providers are like, uh-huh, yeah. And, I'll, you know, the rejection of that. I'm rejecting that. And then I'm setting up this future when I'll feel better when the notes are written. The notes are never going to be written. Never going to be written. And... Uh, the organization will never practice the way I want it to. 
you know, and people will never behave fully the way I want them to. So when and then you can notice that as your trap and go to now. And then notice the rejecting because we're pushing away what's in front of us. And that energy of pushing it away keeps the muscles very tight and clenched up. We're, you know, in rejecting, we're not with. And when we can be with what is, even when we don't like it to a sense, but accept it, we're opening. We're opening to what is. And then the last one is um, identifying and identification. So, in other words, It's a hard one. We're propping up an idea of ourselves, an image of ourselves, rather than just being in that moment. The idea of me rather than just being. Like, for example, um, one of my uh, friends was saying, as a mom, she was saying, when I'm editing and worrying about whether I'm a good mom and what I'm saying to my kids are right, I'm not with my kids. <laughs> I'm with my anxiety. And so she noticed that, right? There was a difference of just being there and continually evaluating herself in the role of and then worrying about it. Oh, did that mess them up? Well, I messed them up. Did I say it right? Was that a good parenting skill? You know? So you see that way? A lot of us have done this with our body and image, particularly with women, but now it's men, you know, like, oh, do, do I look okay? Mm -hmm. Is my appearance right? Can they see if I gain weight? Is it, did I gain weight? You know, that, it's my hair, right? And so then we're in the image and not with just here. So all of this deserves a lot of compassion because we're all in this soup together. We're all in this hypnotic state from culture and upbringing and, um, you know, media, television, relating. These are not things you learned in kindergarten. Maybe you did, but not necessarily, right? It was to strive. But we're, with the mindfulness movement, that's the hope that we're coming back to this very simple way of being. I remember, um, and I've told the story before, I think the first meditation and mindfulness experience I had was as a little girl in my grandfather's kitchen in Brooklyn over the bagel store. <coughs> you know, a little, and there was this Eden kitchen there, you know, on the second floor. And I would just watch him fix his tea in the glass cup with a lump of sugar, read his newspapers in three languages, prepare food, sit quietly and drink tea, because he was there in, in every movement, in the kitchen, drinking the tea, putting the lump of sugar, taking out the newspaper, sitting by the tree, sitting in the sunlight, in this very 
meager apartment, not much there, you know, but fully there in being. I could feel it. I just used to love to sit and watch him. What was I watching? I, would, I still have that happy memory of watching him drink his tea. What was I watching? I think I was watching a human being being a human being, fully being a human being, drinking tea, fully present, just like that, just like that, walking. I could still feel that presence in him, just there. And that is our birthright. Little apartment over a bagel shop, right? That's our birthright. He didn't have to wait till he got a mansion in Malibu. I'm just joking now. But you know what I mean? He didn't he wasn't waiting. He was just drinking tea. So I'm going to stop here now, and we'll do um, some dialogue with each other, some inquiry. And let me explain this a little. We've been doing inquiry questions. Did you notice? We do them. And the inquiry is really about asking a question with your peers, your colleagues here, um, and feeling and sensing your answer in your body in your heart, your whole being. Not just talking, blah, 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 but really feeling the question, making it a deep question, a kind of question from your belly. And then being present in mindfulness to hear yourself and others so that our mindfulness can be this field of awareness. It's not just my head, my mind talking, but you, Sue is talking, right? And so Leigh is talking and Valletta is talking, you know? so that we're receiving and giving each other our practice. Does this make sense? Yeah. So what we'll do is have um, some groups of four people, little groups of four, and um, there'll be two questions. <coughs> the first question is, what gets in the way of your present moment experience? What gets in the way of your present moment experience? And you could write that down or put that in your phone if you like. That's, that's an inquiry question for you to take home with you. What gets in the way? It could be like a little bell. What gets in the way of your present moment experience? Right? What gets in the way? My harsh judgment of myself, my, my, my critic is beating me up right now. I'm really thinking about uh, dessert. <laughs> Chocolate would be great. I'm so irritated. When is she going to stop talking already? <laughs> right? What gets in the way? So that's the first question, and what you do is um, everybody takes a turn, and w one person can ask, you, one person can ask, and the other person can answer. One person can ask, the other person can answer. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you just go around three times 
or so, what gets in the way? So that would be question number one. Do you have that? Okay. Right now, my nervousness is getting in the way. All right, and the second one is, tell me a way you experience the present moment. Tell me a way you experience the present moment. How do you know? How do you know? I feel my heart is full. Kind of said that. I feel grounded in my body. There's a quality of my mind being still. I feel an awakeness. I feel open to others. There's no chatter. Or you could talk about an experience that you had. You know, I was on this hike or I was... Um, in the ocean, yeah? You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.